Shivani, we bout to party, we bout to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. This is AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling, and I'm one of your co-hosts, Aubrey Edwards, referee and podcast host, game developer. I do a lot of things. Speaking of people who do a lot of things, we have a special episode today. If you haven't heard, Tony Schiavone recently had a book about him release. It's a graphic novel called Butts in Seats. It's very exciting. I'm very proud of him and him getting to tell his story in this new format and whatnot. But also today, we have Dirk Manning joining us, who is basically the guy who made this project a reality. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Yes, thank you. It's good to be here. What an honor to be here. Thank you for having me on. Honor. That's a strong word. Strong word for this podcast. I've learned, I've learned through Tony the, the importance of putting people over. Yes, very, very true. Even when they don't deserve it, he's very good about it's that. It's my life. Exactly. That's my life. <laughs> All right, Derek, I want to start with you. What inspired the idea to do uh, Tony's story as a graphic novel? Honestly, uh, the man behind the man on this, if you were, was uh, everyone's friend, gimmick attorney Mike Dawkins. Mike uh, is friends of mine for a long time. I've done business with Mike on the comic side of things, and obviously he's friends with Tony as well. And he kind of came to Tony and I separately, kind of masterminding this. I don't want to speak on Tony's behalf, but at least for me, he came to me and said, hey, how would you feel about writing a graphic novel based on Tony Schiavone's life? To which I famously replied, I'd be willing to have that conversation. <laughs> you know, and I joke about that. Super non-committal. <laughs> well, honestly, I, I was because one of the things that I, I have worked on comic books based on real people and, and licenses before, and it's something you always want to be careful of because you only have so many hours in the day. And I've written a lot of comics. I mainly focused on creator-owned stuff. And I trusted Mike and, and, and I've been a lifelong fan of professional wrestling. But you always want to enter into relationships when you're dealing with a real person telling the real story very carefully, because ultimately it comes down to, am I going to be the right person for the job? And is this something that, that I'm going to enjoy putting the time into? Whatever project I'm working on, I really want to give it my all. I want to focus everything on it. So when Mike brought it up, it's like, I'd be willing to, to have that conversation. And obviously, spoiler, it worked out wonderfully, at least from my perspective. Tony smiled a few times during the process and, and laughed twice. So that was nice. And uh, <laughs> no, it's been, it's been really cool. It's been a really positive experience, but that's, but all credit to our head of talent relations, Mike Dawkins for bringing this relationship to fruition. So Tony, Mike Dawkins, was he the one that also came to you about this idea? Yeah, because there is, there's been a lot of talk and, and even there was a, a gentleman who worked for the Georgia Bulldogs for many years who wanted to write my book. We kind of agreed on it. And fortunately, he passed away at a very young age with a young family. And I, I think about him often. I should have referenced him in this graphic novel, but that's another story. He wanted to do a book. I was never thrilled about doing a book because I'm just not that type of guy. My story may interest others, but it bores the hell out of me. I was just not the type of guy that go out and push myself because... That's kind of my job. My job is to help other people. But Mike Dawkins, who is my lawyer and, and has helped me negotiate all my deals, 
recently that I met said, I've got Dirk Manning that I know very well from here in Toledo. They both live in Toledo. Why don't we uh, hook you two guys up with Adrena Joe, our editor? And uh, it seemed to work from the very first time that we got together. Yeah. When he came to me and he said, would you like to do a graphic novel, a comic book about your career? I thought, yeah, because I love comic books and I love the genre. I love superheroes. I don't necessarily love horror. And and that's kind of what Dirk is into. And I know he'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I, I love fantasy and I love comic books and I love art. I love colors, as you know, by the colors that I wear backstage. I was really I was really all into this. Now, as far as comic book guy is concerned, I, I'm not one of those comic book guys that you go to and you say, hey, remember episode 35 of Batman? I was younger and I collected comics, of which I have none left, but I'm not an avid comic book collector, but I love comics. And so I, I thought this appealed to me. And so it was very easy for me to say yes. I mean, dude, clearly based on those watching the video version of this podcast, just looking into Tony's room. I think a comic book or graphic novel is honestly the best format to tell your story because it is so innately you. Right. Even though it's a story about wrestling, that's the thing that really drew me to the idea of it is, oh, this is absolutely Tony. Yeah. I don't see like a normal book being the thing that tells the story. It has to be something like this because that is so true to who you are as a person. I'm not a normal person. I really am not. I mean, I... I, uh, You can't be if you work in wrestling. Exactly. (laughs) Or comics. Or comics, absolutely. (laughs) You know, here at age 64, I I love Batman, as you can see. I love the Batman motif. I'm into all things that younger guys do that a guy my age should not do. So I love it. It keeps me young. And and I I think this book and the creative process of this book helped me stay young as well. Wonderful. So you guys independently, Mike Dawkins comes to you, says, hey, we have this idea. You guys meet. So Dirk, what's the first step in starting a graphic novel? You know, the first step, and Tony alluded to this a little bit, was having that Zoom call. I think the original plan was for Mike to connect us at at C2E2, which is a comic convention in, in Chicago. No offense to any other shows. My favorite big show of the year, every year, is C2E2. And I had a number of situations come up that at the last minute I couldn't attend C2E2. First time in 10 years I missed it, which of course was the time that Mike was trying to put this big plan together. So we ended up connecting on on Zoom because, of course, then the whole world shut down. Collapsed, yeah. And from that first Zoom call, it was me, it was Mike, Dave Silva, Tony, and then Drina Joe, who's an editor I work with a lot, who I wanted to bring in on the project just hit it off right away. It became very evident to me that that Tony was a very genuine, very sincere guy who was very interested in this and not interested in making this a a vanity project as much as he was interested in exploring the story to be told. And there is a story to be told. There's an amazing story. So the next step in that became upon seeing that Tony and I would get along well and that there was a chance to do this well was determining what is the story. And one of the things that I think is so fascinating about Tony's story, particularly, and and I'm not trying to make a a pun when I say this, but it's like the American dream. He goes from a young guy who was interested in wrestling and used to pose in front of his mirrors, you see in the book, holding a hairbrush, pretending to interview wrestlers, to getting into the business, almost by fluke, gets into the industry, becomes this very well-known person in the industry, falls out of love with it leaves for 20 years, comes back 
and really recognizes not only, and again, no pun intended, but the impact he's had on the industry, but also that legacy he's left behind. And then getting to almost enjoy a level of celebrity, perhaps even bigger than at his previous height, being with, with AEW. It's an incredible story. And it became very evident to me very quickly that, that that's a story that has meat on the bone and is a story that even people that maybe are lapsed wrestling fans or not professional wrestling fans at all can identify with and enjoy. Because ultimately, it comes it's a very long way of me of saying it comes down to the theme. What's the theme here? Everyone has a plot. Everyone has an idea. But what's the theme? And, and here's this, this story of this, this guy who started as a kid from day one was buying tickets to wrestling events for his family, putting butts in seats there, and then gets all the way to now, you know, his job being in wrestling and being in one of the, a company that has truly revitalized professional wrestling for a new generation. It's powerful. And once that became the story to tell, the last step of that became, well, how are we going to, what's the format going to be? Knowing it was going to be a graphic novel. And I really went back to my roots as, a, as an anthology guy we're going to tell the story in 10 chapters, a different artist on every chapter. So then you go find the artists and determine which artist is going to be best for which chapter and break Tony's whole life and his whole career in, and not his whole life, his whole career in wrestling or his whole life in wrestling into 10 chapters. You find the artists and you go. That's a, a feat in and of itself, because I'm sure that you could fill a whole book with that story. But with comics, you're limited in the actual real estate of how many words you can use because illustrations are so vastly important to the story. Right. How do you choose what goes in and what doesn't? Part of it is you have a strong editor. <laughs> Again, you know, and, and Tony mentioned earlier, big props to Adrena Joe. She's a fantastic editor, did a very nice job of helping us rein in and find sometimes the focus. But what, what was interesting was I found myself going all the way back to my first comic book I ever wrote, which is a, a horror anthology series called Nightmare World, which is a series of eight-page stories. And anybody that writes can tell you it's infinitely more difficult to write a, short, a good short story than a long story. If you get all the time in the world you want to tell the story, you can get to everything. So what happens is with a short story, you really have to kind of you know get to the meat, get in and get out. So what ended up happening was we broke Tony's whole life into 10 chapters. We're at 10 pivotal moments. There's uh, chapter six, which is called Butts and Seats, which is about the infamous Butts and Seats call, is a chapter in and of itself. Another chapter of the book talks about Tony's almost two decades away from wrestling, also in 10 pages. You really have to kind of decide in each chapter, what's the theme? What do I want to get at here? And recognizing you can do, I mean, again, I can get really into the weeds on this stuff, five panels per page roughly and 30 words per panel and how do you break this down but um that's just part of the craft that's part of what goes into it but ultimately came down to at this particular moment in tony's life for this chapter what are we going to do again the butts and seats night is 10 pages of itself tony's time away from wrestling we covered almost 20 years in 10 pages it really just came down to meeting the needs of each particular chapter Tony, one of the things that I love about the book is the forward from Conrad, who, you know, big part of your life and whatnot. Sure. I, I popped especially hard when he mentions that you're the Bob Saget of wrestling, because I've never heard a better comparison than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he's America's dad, but he's got this raunchy sense of humor. This is perfect. I love it. All right. Why did you guys decide to incorporate conrad into the book because at the end of every chapter there's also the stories from what happened when your other podcast 
Well, Conrad is so instrumental in, in my return to wrestling in twenty at the beginning of twenty seventeen, the end of twenty sixteen. I was I was really struggling. I listen. I I'm not going to say I couldn't pay my bills because I could, but that was about it. But I didn't want to get back into wrestling because I'd had enough of the politics. I'd had enough of the bullshit that was WCW at that time, and it just ran me away from wrestling. And I wanted to recreate my career, uh, which I think I did. So Conrad sent me an email based on uh, he saw me at NWA fan convention in August of that year. And I did a sit down, which is in butts and seats, did a sit down with Jim Valley, who's a great guy. And we talked about my career. Well, when I walked out, it was kind of the first time that fans had seen me or heard from me in quite a while. And I sat down. And now all of a sudden, this guy, Tony Schiavone, who's always been the straight man, I hate to talk to myself in third person, but (laughs) here's this guy who's always been a straight man. And I sit down and I just let the F-bombs fly and I just poured my heart out. And Conrad saw that and he said, you know what? That can make a great podcast. And he said, before you say no, which he knew I would, (laughs) he said, here's my business plan. And he had a business plan of how we could make money. He had an advertising guy. He said, we can open up a t-shirt place on pro wrestling tees and we can bring this money in. And so I talked to Lois about this and I said, well, what do you think? And she said, well, I knew how miserable you were at the end of that run, but your daughter is going to get married soon. And we sure could use some extra money paying for, to help pay for her wedding. So I said, yes, my daughter got married a year later. The podcast not only helped pay for the wedding, it paid for the entire wedding. I thought, there's something to this. The millennials of this era, which, by the way, all my kids are that age, and my two oldest sons are really still big into wrestling. There's something about nostalgia, and the timing may be right for me to get back into this. And that's kind of how it all started. And Conrad and I go out, and we do some stage shows, and I do have a comedy routine that I do that I've worked on. I'm just completely different than the person that you heard back in the 90s. I think I'm bringing out a little bit more of that on the TV shows now, but that's how this all got started with Conray wanting to do a podcast, and here we are today. Such a big pivotal moment of your life. It would seem weird to not include him in the novel in some way. Sure. He, he's in the graphic novel as well, too. I'll put that out there. We covered that part of yeah. it, and uh, Conrad is, yeah, There's a gra- Tony's got the graphic novel himself. Infinitely more prepared than me doing all these conventions. I packed all my <laughs> I, I still I still look at this thing a lot. I look at the cover and I go, son of a bitch. I've had a great career. You have. But, and this book made me realize it. It really did. Not only the book in its form, but getting together with Dirk and, and Mike and Trina Joe and Dave Silva on Zoom, like we did to put this book together, made me realize that, boy, what a career. And I should be proud of it, which I am. And- I really, really wasn't that proud of the career until this book got out. We're talking to Dirk Manning and Tony Schiavone about Butts and Seats, the new graphic novel highlighting Tony Schiavone's life in wrestling here on AEW Unrestricted. You're listening to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. Aubrey Edwards here talking to Dirk Manning and Tony Schiavone, who just released an incredible graphic novel, Butts and Seats, about the life and times and the career 
of Tony Schiavone. And Dirk, you had mentioned earlier in our first segment that you had multiple artists involved in this yes. project and you had a different artist for every chapter. I think 14 artists overall were involved with this. Uh, 25. 25. Oh my God. 25 when I was said and done. Yeah. What was the decision to include so many artists? Because as someone with a project management background, that just kind of sounds like a nightmare. You know, it's funny you mention that because when you do project management, when you write mainly creator-owned books, which is what I would have done most of my career, you are the project manager of the book if you're the writer. You can bring in an editor and, and obviously have a publisher who sometimes will have certain input and things like that. But ultimately, you're the one that puts it all together. I knew that we had the potential to reach a whole new audience with Butts and Seeds. I will also say, full disclosure, if we didn't talk about the Kickstarter, none of us knew how successful the Kickstarter pre-launch would be on the book. But we knew this would be successful. I knew this would be a book that would have legs, working with SourcePoint Press. I don't think we even discussed this yet, Tony, when we start working together. I knew that we had brokered a deal with Simon & Schuster, so the book was going to be in bookstores everywhere. I knew this was going to be out there. It's going to be seen by a lot of people that traditionally don't read comics. Because of that, what I decided to do early on was, when the book was just 10 chapters, to have 10 different artists or art teams to really demonstrate the spectrum of different art styles and things like that that exist in comics. I think a lot of people still to this day mainly associate comic books with superheroes. Yeah. That's the predominant genre. But when you look through the book and you see art by, going to say it right now, I'm not going to name all 25 people, but someone like a Sally Scott, who does the chapter about when Tony and Lois met in their whirlwind romance that resulted in the, the marriage that they, they have to this day, I'm not going to pick an artist who has a superhero style for that. I wanted a different approach or talking about, you know, with DJ Kaufman who did the first chapter, Tony's early years as a kid. Again, you don't want to have a, an artist that primarily does that style of art or even Sally's style of art. She went to DJ Kaufman. I've been very fortunate throughout my career. I've been able to work with a lot of very talented artists. And I also knew because this was had the potential to be a higher profile book. And we're talking about 10 page chapters that I could really create like my wish list of who I wanted to work with, people that I've worked with before, people I've never had the opportunity to work with, and bring them in on this project that would then show audiences everywhere, this is the spectrum of comic books. This is all that this has to offer. We have everyone from Jan Apple, who does more of a manga style, traditionally, to Josh Ross, who is the most prevalent artist on the Nightmare World series, and launched the Tales of Mystery franchise with me, who's mainly known as a horror guy. That was why I did it this way. Then as the book grew, I was able to even bring in more artists to do the what happened when flashback chapter breaks, bringing in Marriott Pascosta to do the cover. Again, you know, just, just to show all the stuff that comic books has to offer so that people who are reading a comic book for the first time, perhaps in years, perhaps ever, which I've heard a lot of people that this is their first, to see, wow, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of, a lot of different styles here. So that was, that was my main motivation. You'd mentioned a little bit about the whirlwind romance of Lois and Tony. Mm -hmm. Tony, I'm curious, how involved was Lois in that chapter? Well, <laughs> Lois happened to stumble into one of our uh, our Zoom meetings. And as she does throughout anything, any part of her life, she kind of sucks all the air out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, takes over and kind of took over that chapter, didn't she, Dirk? She did. You know, it's funny. And it started as a joke as Tony and the team, we all got to know each other better. Our, our Zoom meetings got a lot looser. It went from like meeting all, you know, dressed up to like pajamas and like, oh, look, the pajamas I got on today, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. we got pretty comfortable with each other. And we didn't do the Zoom calls in 
the order of the book either, as a matter of fact. Right. So at that point, we were all pretty comfortable with Joe, pretty loose. And Tony talked about meeting Lois. And, and again, I feel like I'm going to have to send her a, a check after this. I've name dropped her so much. But I think it was Gina Joe that actually said, well, that's your version, Tony. I would love to hear Lois's version. Yeah. And Lois, like hearing her name in the distance, comes charging in the room, you know, and beelines in and literally just knocks Tony out of the way and sits down and retells the story from her perspective. Yeah. Pushes me out of the chair, out of this chair. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah just boom. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's like the second time in his life Tony ever took a bump. <laughs> what? <laughs> Honestly, Aubrey, and I mean this with complete sincerity. When Lois got done telling her version of the story. Okay, now again, you got picture the scene. It's a Zoom call just like this, right? Dave Silva, Mike Dawkins, me, Drina Joe, and Tony's in the background playing with Buck. Of course. We are all crying. I, my hand to God. You know, we are all literally just tears like coming out because despite Lois's like, you know, persona or gimmick or what have you, it was incredibly touching. And the chapter became much stronger by getting Lois's perspective in it as well. And what we ended up doing in that chapter is in the book, you see Lois push Tony out of the panel. Mm-hmm. And Lois tells a lot of that chapter because not that Tony's telling wasn't good. It was, but to, to hear it from Lois and, and to hear both of their perspectives on this combined, it makes for an incredibly touching and, and funny and poignant story. I mean, if the story is meant to capture Tony Schiavone's life, and that's legit the thing that happened. It kind of makes the most sense to capture that in in the version of the story. Yeah, yeah. So it, and it was the only time in the whole book we we did that. We kind of broke that fourth wall and have, you know, them during the story on screen, if you will, and even bickering on screen in the panels, you know, things like that. And yeah, that's that's real life. Yeah, those, yeah, exactly. And there's a debate to this day about what was the dinner that they had on their first date. And Tony will say one thing and Lois will say another. And to this day, we could not get to the bottom of what the meal was because they both are like an old married couple doggedly in their camp yeah and neither of them will move one says steak one says chicken then it became like what do we draw well the the fact that she is six years older than me and she is very much a senior citizen and i'm not (laughs) means her memory is shot so i know i'm freaking right okay (laughs) not a senior citizen just one year away yeah i sure am hanging on to that last thread of youth as as hard as he can you're trying to grab smoke at this point don't take it away you know what? Uh, uh, just a little inject something here. People like Aubrey backstage keep me young. Their enthusiasm, and that's one of the reasons I do what I do now. No, I'm not. I'm not that young. Yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> You're younger than me, girl. It's all relative. right. It's all relative. <laughs> Tony's Tony's everyone's father in wrestling. That's uh, both true in age and spirit. That, that's interesting. We call him an uncle or grandfather. So that's interesting that that you guys call him a father. Yeah, you know. he's a he's a pivotal part of my life so eventually if i ever do a graphic novel there would be, have to be a whole chapter on tony speaking of chapters in the book tony i'm curious if there were moments that you considered to put in the book that ultimately you didn't include and dirk same question for you that uh, there's moments in my life that did not happen in the in the book yeah that you were like oh i want to include this but then ultimately ended up pulling it well dirk you may be able to speak to that because i think uh, i pretty much said everything that i knew do you, is there something that you said uh we're just going to leave this out. I know it told a lot of stories at the end. Right, right. And I don't know if any of the, if we kept out any of those stories or not. There's a ton more stories I have in wrestling. Right. From my years of traveling and wrestling and dealing with people. 
There's a whole story about when I first met Aubrey Edwards, actually, oh. which was wonderful in Wash in Washington D.C. and which kind of led to us doing this podcast together when we first met. So right. there's a lot of stories, but I don't know if there was anything as far as now. Again, this is the story of my professional journey. Mm-hmm. It is not a story of Tony Schiavone. Uh, here we go again. It is not a story of me. <laughs> Sorry. It's Tony Schiavone, the character in wrestling. Right, yes. Right. My parents are not in the book. Right. My childhood friends are not in the book. Right. No. Uh, it's not about that part of my life. It's about when I first started watching wrestling as a fan until what is going on today. So there's a lot of things we could have put in there, I guess, that we left out. Yeah. Do you remember something that we did, Dirk, and you said? There were a couple times when, you know, Gina Joe was like, because you got a bunch of guys here talking and riffing and stuff like that. And she's like, that can't go in. Or don't put that. You know, she was our voice. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm talking about, right? We call her the boss for a reason, you know, and it's like, she's like, you guys, all right, rope it in. Not that one. Yeah. Sure. There were stories about people that I interacted with in my WCW days, especially. That was a pretty funny story. Yeah. But I didn't want to paint them in a bad light. That too. Right. And that's one thing, uh, Aubrey, that I was very, very cautious about because I I don't think I've made any enemies in wrestling, maybe one or two, but I don't think I've made many enemies in wrestling. And everybody in this book, I wanted to be painted in a very positive light because that's the way I am. And that's true to what I do and what I'm about. So there were stories that we talked about. There were even pictures. Artistic renderings. Artistic renderings. Thank you. In that, that Dirk and I discussed many times about, I'm thinking, wow, that guy looks mean. That guy Mm -hmm. looks evil. And he really wasn't evil. And we, we just, so I was very, very, I was very touchy and and very concerned about that. And and I think that's really the things we left out. Yeah. You know, and there was nothing that was kind of like too hot for TV, if you will, but just things like, you know, the last full chapter in the book is a bunch of different like anecdotal things that Tony had been through and little microcosms of little moments. And there was um, Klondike Bill. And there was a big discussion about how do we portray the level of character that he is without losing a a PG rating (laughs) on this book. Right. So not only what do we tell, but then how do we show it? And I will say something here on, on this podcast that, that I don't think we've talked about any other podcasts. After the whole book was done, everything's done in total. I learned this amazing story from Tony about, and Tony, correct me around this, the, your friend was uh, visually impaired, correct? Yes, Ricky Ellinger. Yeah. yeah. Tony had a friend who was visually impaired and them sitting on the porch listening to the sports games and how that really is what got Tony interested in the, the aspect of announcing. Right. Because it was that announcer that allowed his friend, uh, Ricky, to experience the game. And he tells me this touching story. And I'm, I'm listening to this whole thing. And I'm like, God damn it, you son of a bitch. We spent 50 or 60 hours on Zoom calls and this never came up. That was a perfect way to start this whole book. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know? So Tony just goes, sequel. Like, you money-grubbing friend. Yeah. <laughs> Carney motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, the Ricky Ellinger story is part of my love into baseball and, right. and announcing. So, but but yeah, but by and large, there was nothing that that was really salacious, and and that's the thing that even with as this book's coming out, we told people too. It's like this isn't a 
a hit job. This isn't a, a, a book where, oh, you're going to learn all the dirty secrets. No, I mean, were there dark times? Yes. Do we talk about them? Yes. Do we bury anybody? No. No. That's not what this is about. This is about telling the story. And and if anybody gets, you know, kind of buried, I mean, I think Tony was very vulnerable and talking about some very challenging and at times dark and depressing parts of his life, which took a lot of courage sure. to do and to immortalize that. But but as far as anybody else now, but I would have loved to have gotten the Ricky story in there. So when we do the sequel, Two Butts, Two Seats. Two Butts, Two Seats. Yeah, Two Butts, Two Seats. With the number two, of course, we're, well, we, can, yes. we can maybe uh, work in uh, meeting Aubrey Edwards and things like that. Hey, there yeah, we go. There you go. I, I don't need a full chapter, though. Just a single page in one. <laughs> It all starts with one page, Aubrey. It all starts with one page. Next thing you know. One page, one page. Uh, I'm curious, what was the hardest chapter to write? It was two. One, it was, we, we did a chapter focusing on, I guess, kind of the backstage political machinations of WCW. And that was tricky to write because, again, you don't want to paint anybody in a bad light, but you want to be honest. Yeah. And it was a chapter, it was the first chapter I went over in the original version of the script. And it was like 11 or 12 pages and I had to chop it down. Because you have to walk a fine line there. You're talking about real people. Even the thinnest pancake has two sides. Wow. So it's very important to recognize that. You can write that one down, Tony. I'm, I'm looking for my pen. Right, yeah, thank you. Machinations and even a <laughs> pancake, finished pancake has two sides. Even the thinnest pancake has two sides. Okay. You know, so uh, I, I look forward to hearing that in a drop in, uh, in AW promo at some point. Okay. <laughs> the other one was the chapter that talks about Tony's life away from wrestling covering almost 20 years in 10 pages and all the stuff that he did during that time and then living life away from wrestling, but then also showing at the end of the chapter, how he got looped back in those, those two were, were a little bit trickier. Yeah. But other than that, Tony's a natural storyteller. Most of it was very, very easy and fun. And, but those two did have some certain challenges. We're talking with Tony Shivani and Dirk Manning who just created a wonderful, wonderful graphic novel available on Amazon and retail stores. Buy it. Check it out. It's absolutely incredible. We're having this conversation on AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. We're having a wonderful conversation with Dirk Manning and Tony Schiavone, who just released an amazing graphic novel highlighting the career of Tony Schiavone in wrestling, ranging from him getting into wrestling to today and there's so much to cover and the fact that they were able to do it and have incredible art to tell this story is just absolutely wonderful. As we mentioned, there's so much in the book and we somehow condensed it down to 10 chapters, but there's also a lot of bonus content as well. So there's chapters about Bobby Heenan and Ric mm. Flair and Chief Wahoo and Dirk, I want to talk about why was it important to include the bonus chapters? The book itself really focuses on Tony's journey through wrestling. You know, his life in wrestling is kind of what I tell people. It's like, this isn't strictly a biography. It's about his life in wrestling. There's sometimes little funny side tangents, you know, like this funny experience with Sting, for example, which is one of my favorite of the bonus chapters or, or writing with Bobby Heenan, you know, and things like that at the antics that he, he would get into. They didn't really fit into the main narrative that we were telling. So what ends up happening is, we knew we were going to bring this book to Kickstarter. And for those not familiar with Kickstarter, Kickstarter is oftentimes used as a pre-sale engine. And the way that I run a Kickstarter is the more people that pre-order the book or pledge to get a copy of the book through that uh, website, through that vehicle, the more stuff everyone gets. 
Mm-hmm. So the more people, you know, it's like communism that works. You know, the more people put in, the more everybody gets. <laughs> you, know? you can write that one down too, don't you? Kickstarter, communism that works. I won't say that on TV though, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> so well, what happens is um, there was these like funny, you know, different anecdotes and things like that. So, and it also gave us a chance to bring in more artists and really even like the artists that did those stories, they really pushed and expanded the boundaries of what we would do even more. So that was also, you know, uh, artistically speaking, if you will, a a fun thing for me as well, to bring in some of these artists to do stuff, bring in like, you know, Leno Grady, for example, and Ani and and stuff like that to do wilder, I guess, or more, you know, art styles was another fun bonus. But um, just to add extra value to the book, like the asides, like, by the way, here's some other fun stuff. You know, uh, it was just, you know, this is a, a sizable book. And we really wanted to give people the fullest Tony Schiavone experience imaginable and and really demonstrate all the cool stuff you can do in comic books. Tony, I want to talk about uh, reactions to the book. When it came out, what was Lois and your kids' reaction to the book? My uh, kids are are pretty thrilled about it. I know Chris and Matt are because they follow wrestling. Mm -hmm. My daughter, Laurie, is because she's kind of on my quote-unquote staff. She does all my social media and also does all my contacts on my Patreon channel. So, and she also has kind of worked with Dirk and Dorina Joe a little bit when we go out to comic cons. So they're, they're thrilled about it. The twins, I'm not so sure about if they're thrilled about it or not, but I should have stopped the three kids anyway. I'm kidding. So the the twins are off. No, I'm kidding. I love my, kind of love my twins. No, I love my twins. Okay. (laughs) But Lois's, Lois' original uh, feeling was when she looked at some of the graphics, because that's what people react to, right? The graphics, the, the illustrations. She said, that doesn't look like me. And I said, yeah, because it's a cartoon of you. It's not you, my dear. It's an artist's representation. That's right. That's right. But she's pretty thrilled about it that the very first I brought a copy back with me from, I guess, New York Comic Con, and I gave her the very first copy, which she read, and she thought it was a great story. My family, let me tell you this, my sister and my cousins, by the way, Uncle John's daughters who live back home in Virginia, I sent them, and they couldn't believe it. They were just excited that I would put their father in this. So that was a big moment, and my sister was so excited that I included our high school and our hometown, which never, it was probably ever in any book at all. She told me, she said, you've put Craigsville, Virginia on the map. And I said, yeah, well, maybe so. I, I'm not so sure. And Buffalo Gap High School mm-hmm. and James Madison University, all that. So my family, my extended family that still lives in Virginia, very, very excited and happy about how I elevated, I guess elevated, or how I talked about Uncle John and how he uh, had an impact on, on my childhood. There's an amazing chapter in the book about Uncle John and how he got you into wrestling. And yeah. everyone needs to read this book and, and hear about it because Uncle John just sounds like a wonderful human being. Yeah, he, he stole the show. He was when we did that chapter early on, I was like, wow, we have to make sure we top this because we're leading with this chapter. And right. this older guy, you know, right, not to give too much away, but, but inserting himself in a wrestling match is is pretty fascinating. You know? Yeah, he was a, he was a funny old guy. He uh, he made me laugh a lot. And. I remember the first time I watched wrestling with him, and it's kind of illustrated in the book, that 
I wasn't really into wrestling. I didn't know that much about it, but I remember watching him going nuts Mm -hmm. and he had his cane and he was, you know, swinging with every blow. And, (laughs) and I'm thinking, geez, this guy is into this stuff. And then that kind of got me into it, his passion for it. Yeah. It's fascinating how you can just feed off of that energy and suddenly it becomes life changing. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Got a couple fun questions to ask uh, for the group. There's a number of illustrated versions of Tony throughout the book. My favorite, including young Tony and his wonderful haircut. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious, Dirk, what is your favorite representation of Tony? And Tony, what is yours? Oh, my gosh. See, you put me me in a difficult position here because I would say that all the artists did an amazing job of of rendering Tony in, in, in different ways. Right. Again... The young Tony cracks me up, you know, that DJ Kaufman did. It's so good. It's so good. It, it's so, DJ, DJ is amazing. You know, DJ is a guy that I wanted to work with for years, for most of my career. And, and to bring him in and then to, to work with him on that chapter was, the, the bowl haircut was awesome. I could sit here and go through everybody from Austin to Josh to Jan to Scott to, here's what I'm going to pick. Final answer, the cover illustration that was also a badge at New York Comic Con by Mariana Pescosta and Tony leaning over the ropes on that cover, just like what the hell is happening as all this chaos goes on around him to me is my favorite. Yeah. And to then see within the last few months, a shot on AEW of Tony in the background, whether you meant to or not, I don't want to know if you meant this or not, leaning on the ropes, almost exactly like... (laughs) cover of the book just that grimace that that sour dour expression of just like must have been mjf or something must have been in the ring right yeah life imitates art yeah that mary epis goes discovered my favorite image all right two things for me chapter five about the new world order there's a scene in there i'm not gonna give it away but it's a scene in there about uh the long meetings we had at wcw right it has me and jr in the background Oh, it's just a yeah. great scene. It has the, the mask assassin has Kevin Sullivan in it has me and Jr. on the background. I'm in the back going, Oh, what the fuck have right. I got myself into here? <laughs> I love that. And there's also a scene in there that, that gives me pretty damn good biceps as well. <laughs> but my, my favorite illustration to me is on the back here. And this is, I'm not so sure who did this. Yeah. Jan Apple did that other chapter and Scott James did this one. That is ruggedly handsome. I never looked that good in my life. Oh, yeah, you did. Stop. And we'll, we'll, we'll remember what Tony would tell Lois. It's a cartoon. Yeah, it's a cartoon. <laughs> I, took this, I took this book and gave it to uh, one of the books that I had uh, extra and gave it to my dermatologist, Kathleen Vescucci. And I showed her this and she said, boy, you've got a lot of wrinkles in that picture. You sure you like that? I went, yes, I do. It's not wrinkles. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. There you go. So one of the things that I absolutely love is, even though this is a story about wrestling, it does include a little moment of your 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 time at Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> You've said you love, you consider yourself one of the girls there. You got to hang out with the young people, hear the gossip. I'm curious because I've never actually asked you, what was your favorite drink to make at Starbucks and what was the most difficult order you ever got? My favorite drink to make at Starbucks, very simple, was a latte. Well, actually, probably it was pouring a cup of coffee. But uh, to make at Starbucks was a latte because you pretty much knew how to do that. A latte, cappuccino, they're similar but different. Uh, the most difficult thing was doing a freaking frappuccino uh. because what would happen was, this is true, people order 
will come in and order lattes, right? But people who come in and order frappuccinos will order 10 for the entire group. And so that was the most difficult to do because the pumps were different and you had to calculate things different. So I got to the point to where I could, I was good at the drive-through because I, I was very good with people and, you know, making sure people had a nice day and, and talking to people and being friendly. So I was good at the drive-through. I personally don't like frappuccinos and feel like everyone who orders them doesn't actually like coffee. They just like ice cream. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. True. In fact, there's a, there's an illustration of the book about with one of the, what happened when chapter breaks is Tony in the window at the cop at Starbucks and Emily's less. It's so wonderful. That is one of my other favorite illustrations in the book and the little hat and everything else. It just, sure. Again, getting to experiment with different styles of Tony. Yeah. I'm proud of my time at Starbucks. I am. I always wanted to do that. Always wanted to work at Starbucks. So I thought it was cool and it was cool. Mm -hmm. And you've got a standing offer to go back anytime if you wanted to. A standing offer from Sonia to go back. Uh, She has moved on to a bigger store in Roswell, Georgia. I talked to her like three weeks ago. She says, when you come and work back to work for me. I said, honey, it won't be for a long time, (laughs) but you never know. Okay. Right answer. All right. We talked a little bit about your favorite depiction of yourself and whatnot, but has Bug seen himself in the book yet? And if Yes. Bug looks at everything, smells everything that I bring to the house, every little bag. He's got to check out everything that comes out. He smelled the book. He looked at it. He likes it. He's like me. He's late in life, right? And he's cool about everything. He's happy. He's happy with the way he looks. Yes, he is. You know what? I am too. At the end of it, there's me holding Bug. It's so wonderful. Yeah, that's cool. That really is cool. Really happy with that. And people that supported the Kickstarter, one of the the add-ons that they get, one of the stretch goals we unlocked was trading cards of Tony, Lois, and Bug. Yeah. How about that? Aubrey, for example, if you by chance back the Kickstarter, along in your big box of, of goodies, you'll be getting trading cards, including a Kickstarter exclusive bug trading card with little stats on the back and stuff like that. You can't have a story about Tony Schiavone without including our special guest of the podcast, Bug, who typically is hanging out in the back. Always here. He's on the cover of the Kickstarter exclusive variant cover as well, as, as Bug is on the cover, which was very important. I want to thank you both for being here today and talking about this awesome project. I'm so proud of of Tony and all of the praise that this book's getting and for you as well, Dirk. I know we just met, but this is an absolutely incredible endeavor. And thank you you so much for highlighting my wonderful friend. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Aubrey. I I appreciate you as always, as you know, and Dirk, I appreciate uh, the time we have spent together and putting this together has been just wonderful. Uh, Dirk, you're on Instagram at Dirk Manning Correct. and online at DirkManning.com. You have another project going on right now, right? Uh, yeah, I've got several projects going on. Several, of course. Again, learn from Tony. You have to stay busy, right? Right. <laughs> I'll put Tony over first before I get to that. Tony and I will both be guests at C2E2 in Chicago in December. We'll be doing a Butts and Seats panel. So if you can uh, venture out to the show, highly recommend you attend that panel on Sunday. We have a, We have a great time. Other than that, just wrapped up a very successful Kickstarter for my my latest uh, installment of the series Tales of Mystery. We did uh, 30K in 30 days in pre-sales, so that was awesome. That's cool. Not Shibani numbers, but what is? Yeah, right. But yeah, people can follow along with me on Instagram, God help me, even Twitter, Facebook, at Dirk Manning. But yeah, I'm uh, doing a bunch of projects on my SourcePoint Press, Twisted Haunted High Ons coming out in comic book stores. And, and I want to say again, Tony, on the record, on uh, the official podcast of AW, Tony, sincerely, I really can't wait to do another project with you, whether it be two butts, two seats, butts and car seats, <laughs> perhaps something more fictional, yeah. uh, you know, 
I know that we, we've really put a lot of focus and emphasis into this. Also an exclusive, there may be another wrestling book in the works we'll be announcing soon. Oh, very cool. But that aside, Tony, I, it's been such a, an amazing experience working with you on this. And, and I do look forward. Same here, man. I do look forward to us doing something else. And I'm not just saying that for the camera. I mean, I know we've talked about it. We've joked about it. But as we get into the new year, we, we need to make sure you answer a, a message or answer your phone. That's going to be the hardest part of this process. But then we can talk about what's next. If you're ever on a text thread with Dirk Drina and Mike Dawkins and my daughter and Dave Silva, you'll want to hang yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it never freaking ends. Well, we start getting the jet, the gifts in there and stuff like that, right? And, you know. We appreciate you. And, and as you know, Aubrey, I appreciate you and Dirk. And don't forget, AW Unrestricted is free wherever you get your podcast. We've got a video version on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. But what else we got, girl? You can watch a lot, a lot of AEW television. We've got Elevation and Dark on Mondays and Tuesdays on YouTube. Dynamite on Wednesdays. We're switching to TBS on January 5th. And then Rampage on TNT on Fridays. So all of these wonderful places where you can see and hear the lovely Tony Schiavone. I'm Aubrey Edwards, along with my co-host and special guest today, Tony Schiavone. This is AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn.